Hello and welcome to the 360 Lady, the complete, whole and thriving lady. Every two weeks we talk about stories or hard truths in our various pillars of life such as spirituality, relationships, career, finances and many more. My intention on this podcast is to strengthen and empower women to walk in God's ultimate truth of completeness in Him. I am your host, Mabwe Oyetunji. Hello, hello, my 360 ladies, and welcome to the 360 Lady Podcast. How are you doing? How are you feeling? And how are you vibing? For most people in the British Isles, we are experiencing a whooping 20 degrees today and loving every bit of it. So for those who missed this special announcement on the last episode, in the spirit of rest, which we covered on the last episode, I will now be releasing convos every month and not every two weeks, just FYI. This may be temporary or permanent, but whatever I decide, be sure I'll be keeping you posted. Again and again, thank you for listening. So a few days ago, I was working from home. I was really starving and I decided if I wanted to eat in an hour, it would make sense to boil the rice now so it will be done when I was ready to eat. And all I had to do was heat up the stew and the chicken in the microwave and voila, bon appetit. So what did I do? I put on the rice, um, I put it on fire. I set the alarm and I went on to log on to my meeting via Teams. 20 minutes, the alarm went off, but I was stuck on my call and I couldn't get up and leave because I was presenting. So next 10 minutes after the call, it was done. I went to the kitchen to switch off the rice, but what did I find? A burnt pot of burnt rice. I say that because you can burn the rice without actually burning the pot, but no, both the pot and the rice were burnt and I could salvage only half of the rice. My brain started thinking fast, like... (laughs) My husband was going to come home very soon and smell the branch rice. I didn't want him to do that. So I had to come up with a fast plan, right, to prevent him from finding out. So I decided, look, I'll transfer the rice to a new pot, rinse out the rice and put it on the cooker for two minutes just to dry up, you know, feel fresh again and throw away the burnt pot. After all, that pot was due to be changed anyways, but my attachments were just so strong. So to cut the long story short, my husband came home not too long after and immediately smelt the burnt food. So the plan failed. As I tried scraping the burnt rice from the burnt pot into the bin, all that I was going through my mind was, why on earth did I not use a non-stick pot? Because we had several in the house and that would have made my life so much easier. Then I started thinking about why non-stick pots were so desirable and actually non-sticky to foods when cooked at high temperature. So most of you would have heard Teflon. Teflon is like a trademark of the infamous company DuPont for plastic material known as polytetrafluoroethylene. Now the secret to Teflon's slick surface lies in the fluorine enveloping its molecules. So these fluorine atoms actually repel almost any type of material, so water, anything, and it prevents them from actually adhering to the Teflon. Now the big question is, if Teflon has fluorine atoms which repel other materials, right, how then does it stick to the pot, you know, on the other side? Now I tried looking at this and I realized that they actually make it stick by bombarding the Teflon with ions in a high vacuum under an electric field, or you can call it plasma, right? This then allows them to break away many of the fluorine atoms on the surface that they actually want to make sticky, which is on the other side, which is going to stick it to the pot. 
Then they actually substitute other groups such as oxygen that actually adhere strongly to the surfaces and boom, you actually have your non-sticky, sticky Teflon. So on one side you have the non-sticky part and on the other side you have your sticky Teflon. Now in the past couple of months, I told that story for a reason, so we'll be coming back to it later. In the past couple of months, I've been inclined through the Holy Spirit to speak on offences. But I've also had a very frank conversation with myself just because I like to give myself a pep talk (laughs) or that stern combo. And I said to myself and I was like, look, you're nowhere near dealing with offenses excellently. But this week I actually heard another response. But isn't that the point? Like a lot of times we actually don't speak on things because we feel we aren't qualified to speak on it or we don't actually step out because, you know, we feel the fear of not yet. So on that note, we're going to be discussing offense, the non-sticky Teflon. So what is offense? Offence is an injury or wrong done to someone and this injury or wrong could be perceived or it could actually be valid. But the thing I'm learning, right, is that now more than ever, we're living in the age and era of offence. Have you noticed, right, that offence is the emotion of the day that everybody is perpetually, continually and consistently offended by everything all the time. I mean, I don't know about you, right? But this is part of the reasons why I have to MIA some moments, you know, of some things like group chats, social media, because I just don't have the emotional energy to be mad about everything. Now, in today's society, men are offended, women are offended, labor is offended, conservatives are offended, for those of you in the UK, um, old people are offended, Young people are offended. Baby boomers are offended. Millennials are offended. Gen X is offended. Gen Z is offended. Everybody is offended. For decades and decades, the church, because I'm Christian, if you just listen to this for the first time, the church and Christians have always thought us not to get offended, but have rarely ever thought us how not to get offended. So, you know, they would say, oh yeah, don't get offended, don't get offended. But how do I not actually get offended? How? Tell me. Now, before we speak on the how, let's talk about the difference between offense and offended. So we all know (laughs) that it's impossible that offenses um, won't come, but it's possible for us not to get offended. So what's the difference? An offense is what happened and offended is the reaction. An offense says you're upset. Offended says I will never forgive it. You know, there's a writer that, I can't remember his name, but there's a writer that actually says it like like this, that offence is an event and offended is the decision, which is very deep. You know, when you really think about it, you know, offence happens as an event, but being offended is actually the decision to say, hmm, this thing pained me. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm offended. And that is the decision. So you make a decision to be offended. So the question is not that the offence is going to come. Offences are inevitable. But being offended is actually optional because it's a decision, right? So that means it's actually plausible and possible for you to live a life free of offences and also possible to live your life on offences. So my ladies, my ladies, let me ask you, what is your current level of offendability? What does it take you to get offended? Let me first say that you know, I'm super grateful for my journey through the wilderness of offense. I say that because, you know, if I had to do an audit a few years ago, I would say my level of offendability was way too high, way, way too high. But I'm in a much better place, much better space. Um, But obviously it didn't take drinking cold water to calm me down or, you know, walking by the cold beach to get there. You know, I had to be intentional. I had to understand the what, the why, the how, you know, 
of what offense was or wasn't, you know, why I got offended and how not to get offended anymore. So now let's go deep. I'll share some personal lessons with you, um, some of which are just pointers of how I went through it and how I'm going through it, you know, because it's still present. Have you ever been offended with someone? And from then on, you start imagining that they didn't say hi to you or they were talking about you with someone or they even had the audacity to act funny to you. Like, how dare them, you know? (laughs) Well, it's funny, like... One thing I've actually learned is that an offended heart is a breeding ground for deception. I'll say that again. An offended heart is a breeding ground for deception. So when you're offended with someone, if you are later told that that person did A, B and C, you are most likely 90% guaranteed, at least, (laughs) to believe that the person indeed did A, B and C. Even though prior to now, it would have been highly unlikely that the person could actually do such a thing. Another thing that I've learned is that the gravity of the offense is dependent on the level of your relationship. For example, if a stranger or someone who, you know, say I met last week, (laughs) I was going to say in traffic, but I mean, there's no traffic here, right? But if I met someone new, fresh, you know, if that person actually lied against me and told a big lie to my family and, you know, a close friend of mine lied against me and told a big lie to my family, which do you think will hurt more? The stranger who I just met who told a big lie or a close friend of mine who told a big lie to my family. Of course, the close friend's lie would, you know. And I remember we spoke about relationships and friendships last year. And, you know, I think um, I shared the different levels of friendships. But there was close friends. There was um, casual friends as well. You know, and, you know, just in case you're wondering what episode this was, I think it was episode 27, if I'm correct. Um, It was called the Friendship Algorithm. So now that we know um, how friendships play a role in offences, I will share two things to watch out for and three types of people not to become when you're offended. Now, the two things to watch out for, the first one I'd say is proximity. As I mentioned in my previous statement, all offences begin with proximity. The closer you are to someone, the more likely you, your offence will hurt you. There's no, it's, 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 it's not rocket science. The second one is familiarity. This point comes across to me in a sort of like a mentee-mentor relationship or like an employee-manager or even an employee-employer relationship. You know, again, with familiarity, one's guards are really let down and boom, you know, you get offended and it hurts you. Now, the two people, or should I say the three people, to never allow yourself become are, one, the passive person, two, the independent person, and three, the political person. And I'll start with the passive person, you know. (laughs) I'll go through every one of them. The passive person's favourite phrase is, please, I don't want any more trouble. Please let me keep to myself, you know, or, you know what, I just need to protect my peace. This peace line was my favorite line, if I'm being vulnerable. Like, let, let's let's be real right here. This peace line was my favorite line, and I used to say it all the time. This passive person is unconcerned, uninvolved, and disinterested in either getting to the root of the offense or restoring the relationship. I've been there, <laughs> and I know that person too well. It's called the law of repression and expression. The funny thing with this, you know, type of person is that when these people are offended, they see the offenders just as they are, face value. But what happens 
is that the passive person actually lowers their expectation of people and is more than likely to protect themselves from disappointment. So they start having issues of trust because they just never want to trust people to get close to them. Now let's move swiftly to the second person, the independent person. The independent person lives by the words, you must learn to be your own company, your own cure, which is fine for you, my darling. But when it comes from the motive of pride, that, my lady, is a huge problem. Now, let me tell you a short story. Very short. I, your girl, <laughs> was offended with someone, you know, let's let's call the person Matilda, right? I had to do a task and I was sure Matilda knew how to do it. But no, 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 no. What did I do? I asked three other people um, <laughs> who knew nothing about it, obviously. In fact, the third person even said, why don't you ask Matilda? Like, she's done this before and, you know, she can, she can put you through it. <sighs> and at that moment was when I realized this is a terrible journey to being an independent person in the place of offense. And this will only lead to a fall because it was driven by pride. Now, the last type of person that you should never allow yourself be is the political person. And honestly, I think this is the worst out of everything. I use the word political because I'm sure we all have experienced politics in different forms or the other in different countries. And we know the things politicians do, you know, they rally around people for their votes and for their support, you know, before trying to convince the entire nation that they are best for the job. You know what, I will do this and I'll do that and I'll do whatever. Now that's exactly what the political person does. They call Miss C to discuss Matilda. We're still using Matilda, by the way. (laughs) They call Miss D to discuss Matilda and then call Madam Z, who's the no-nonsense one, to discuss Matilda. Now, listen to this. They do this with the aim to gang up against the offender. Now, don't get this person confused with someone who is sharing his or her feelings with a close friend or confidence. That's different. And that's okay. We must realize which of the two we are doing because the lines are very, very blur. Now that we've spoken about, you know, who we shouldn't allow ourselves be when we're offended, I'm going to throw in a little advice on how to deal with offenses. I tried thinking hard and deep for this one, you know, how, 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 you know, but I realized I was looking too far. So what did I do? I turned to my Bible and here's what it says in Matthew 18, 15 to 17. Now, before I read, (laughs) this might be a touchy action for some of you. And I totally, totally understand. I totally get it, right? But remember, toddlers, you know, if you have a baby, if you have a toddler, right? Toddlers took their first step before they could run or even, you know, walk or whatever. So it's not never too late, never, ever too late. So we can start from now. Now back to how to deal with offenses. The Bible says, if a brother, you know, and this is not specific to a gender, right? If a brother hurts you, go and tell him, work it out between the two of you alone. If he listens, you've made a friend. If he won't listen, then take one or two others along so that the presence of witnesses will keep you honest and try again. If he still wouldn't listen, tell the church. If he won't listen to the church, you have to start all over from scratch. Confront him with the need for repentance and offer again God's forgiving love. (laughs) I read this and read it in various versions to try to understand if it was just like specific situations, was it dependent on the level of hurt or you know how many times the person can get hurt but no it was written in black ink on white sheet as simple as it could get so it is essential to go to the offender one not gossiping to others especially under the guise of seeking counsel i mentioned this earlier you must know your motive are you doing it from a place of seeking counsel are you doing it from a place of gossiping instead speak to the other person directly now the question i had to ask myself was 
look so if every time someone hurt me right do i always have to go to confront the person like i mean come on it would just get really petty right and the way i understood it was not always so the bible says we should bear with one another and be long-suffering towards one another yet clearly (laughs) you and i know (laughs) that there are some things (laughs) there's just some things you know we cannot and will not suffer long and we must address Almost as though that, you know, there are two options we can use to deal with offence. We can, one, go to the offender directly and deal with it. Or, two, drop the matter under the umbrella of bearing with one another. Other options, which we are more likely to do, you and I, I mean, this is me being real with you, you know. We're more likely to hold on to bitterness, retaliation, gossiping to others, you know. But these are not allowed. Is it the easy thing to do? Death definitely i know this you know this but the funny output from this one is that the offender may not even be aware that they offended you (laughs) if i had to borrow a motto from my close friend um you know now would be the time because she would always say let's give him the benefit of the doubts you know so how about you give that person the benefit of doubts because they might not even be aware of what they've done to you now the verse goes on to say if he hears you you have gained your brother meaning you have cleared things up just a point to note on this is that it says hears and not if he apologizes or if he changes. So hearing is just the first step. It's just one step. It then goes on to say, if he will not hear, take with you one or two more with you as witnesses, but more importantly, as people with white hats. Oh, by the way, I'm reading this book right now called The Six Thinking Hats. Um, I need to remember who it's by. And it's really good. Just, I mean, just Google the six thinking hats. I use the white hats because people with the white hats actually think. They're people who think neutrally and objectively, who are more inclined to think with facts and figures. Um, in this book, it tells you about five colors. There's a red hat, there's a green hat, there's a blue hat, there's a yellow hat, there's a black hat. And they all have unique ways of thinking. So Google it, check it, the six thinking hat. Um, <laughs> back to what we're saying, at least I digress. When you bring other people, the third party isn't so much a witness, but, you know, people who can be objective, you know, really think, think objectively. And the main aim of this is um, more to get the person to at least listen to you and possibly restore the relationship and not just prove that one person is right or one person is wrong. Now, if that person, the offender, doesn't hear you at this point, then you can take it to church. It could be a leader, it could be an elder, but more importantly and above all, we should strive, I use the word strive to forgive. And I know this might be a heavy one depending on what the person did, who the person is, but always remember that there are no levels of pain that excuse us everyone from grace forgiveness redemption and more importantly restoration these my ladies are how to deal with offenses and it will take a lot it will take humility it will take meekness it will take courage but we have a new generation you know that you know they confuse courage with cowardness and you know we would rather hide behind the screen and you know type 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 type, and then you know hit send but if we all handled our offenses this way the world would be a better place homes will be healed lives will be changed i'm not perfect but i'm still learning how to navigate this journey of living free from offenses but if you don't take anything on this episode please remember what exactly offense is like it's like a teflon pot which has two sides 
the non-sticky side and the sticky side. Offenses on the non-sticky side will ensure that you repel and reject people who have been placed in your life for a reason and a season. I like to call it them, you know, destiny helpers. When you're offended with people, you repel them, even if they're your destiny helpers. Now on the sticky side, offenses will have you holding on to hurt so bad, so, so bad that bitterness, grudges and even hatred are now elements of your heart and thoughts when you see the offender. That's it, my 360 ladies. Before I round up, I would love to share this quote by John Bevere, which says, there is a false sense of self-protection harboring an offense. It keeps you from seeing your own character flaws because the blame has been deferred to another person. That's a wrap. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, my thick six ladies. I hope you took one or two nuggets from this session. Thank you for listening and see you next one. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us this week on The 360 Lady. I trust you have taken some golden nuggets to live in a complete life in Christ. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to The 360 Lady on this platform to stay in touch and never miss a show. If you like the show, kindly leave a rating on the platform so we can keep bringing a mix of magnificent and inspiring episodes. Thanks for listening, my ladies, and see you in two weeks.